Thank you for watching NTD Business. Coming up, a new lawsuit against Norfolk Southern over its train derailment. The suit alleging the company made things even worse. Court documents reveal deep ties between Jeffrey Epstein and a former bank CEO. What do they discuss in emails? The SEC continues its crypto crackdown, this time by suing the founder of Terraform Labs. He's currently an international fugitive. Microsoft trying to tame its new AI chatbot after growing complaints that it's insulting people. Major financial institutions saying they see more Federal Reserve rate hikes coming this year than previously thought. How many more? And where do they see interest rates ending up? That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Don Ma here. Railroad Norfolk Southern is facing another lawsuit, the 6-1, in fact, following the Ohio train derailment earlier this month. In the latest, a lawyer alleges that some residents may already be undergoing DNA mutations, though no evidence was provided. Attorney John Morgan told local media that Norfolk Southern's controlled chemical release made things worse. The lawsuit contends that the railroad blew holes in its cars and dumped over one million pounds of vinyl chloride into the environment. This amount is more than the total amount from all industrial emitters in all of 2021. The National Cancer Institute says exposure to the chemical is associated with increased risk of certain cancers. The railroad told the Epoch Times it cannot comment on the lawsuit, but it gave a fact sheet saying water testing results showed no sign of contaminants. All the lawsuits are seeking damages from the railroad. President Biden's so-called war on oil and gas has hit home hard in West Texas. That's where the Permian Basin is located, where 40% of U.S. oil and natural gas comes from. NTD's Daniel Monahan brings us more. All it is is an attack on American energy. Lori Blong is the mayor of Midland, Texas. She says Biden's call for an end to the oil and gas industry has caused investments in new exploration and new wells to die off. Blong adds that the current administration is tying pipelines up in regulatory knots, while the Environmental Social Governance, or ESG, movement is pushing investors away. All this, she says, has made the future in West Texas hazy. Representative Jeff Duncan says the U.S. was the number one oil and gas producer in the world in 2019. We unfortunately have an administration that's taken a whole-of-government approach to wage war on American energy production. Duncan says regulations are making energy harder to produce, more expensive for consumers. The Rush to Green agenda has also compromised our energy security, making us more reliant on our adversaries for sources of energy. Duncan took part in a hearing in Midland, Texas, on American energy expansion. Seven bills took center stage at the hearing, part of the Unleash America's Energy Package introduced in January. They focus on oil and gas regulation, permits, taxation, infrastructure, and exportation. The proposals would mandate 30-day federal approval of pipelines and prohibit a president from banning fracking by executive order. Meanwhile, a new report claims efforts to scale down U.S. oil and gas production are actually doing more harm to the climate than good. The Institute for Energy Research published a paper saying the U.S. is the most ecologically friendly major energy producer. Halting U.S. production, it says, would have a disastrous effect on the environment. U.S. Oil and Gas Association President Tim Stewart reacts on Fox News. The president's trying to rush American people into a transition that really should take years. 
The report says, quote, nearly every facet of modern developed economies requires petroleum products and natural gas to function and provide the comfortable lifestyles that citizens of developed countries have come to expect. It adds that efforts to eliminate oil and gas production in developed countries will just shift production to other countries in order to meet global demand. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. Soaring energy costs could force 141 million people into extreme poverty. That's according to a new report published in the journal called Nature Energy. Researchers from the Netherlands, the UK, China and the US looked at the impacts of increased energy prices in 116 countries. They found on average household spending increased nearly 5% since Russia's invasion of Ukraine. According to the report, poor households in low-income countries were at greater risk of poverty. Households in higher-income countries also faced rising energy prices, but they were more likely to be able to pay for it. To reduce these impacts, many countries have provided subsidies, discounts, and price caps. With more signs inflation remaining persistent, Goldman Sachs and Bank of America said they expect the Federal Reserve to hike rates three more times this year. They lifted their estimates based on data pointing to persistent inflation as well as a strong labor market. Goldman Sachs economists are adding another 25 basis point hike to their prediction. Both expect the Fed funds rate to end up in the 5.25 to 5.5 percent range. Joining me is Joseph Trevisani, senior analyst at FXStreet.com. Now, it seems to me, Joseph, the Fed's rate hikes aren't really doing that much. If you look at uh, retail sales, uh, 3%, quite high, very surprising. There's a record credit card debt. So if the Fed wants to dampen demand, is it working to you? It's not working right now. That's certainly true. Demand, if you're looking at retail sales, is responding to the job market. And as long as people, even though rates are higher, people paying higher, more credit cards or taking out more credit card debt, they're still willing to purchase and to buy if the job market is more than stable, it's strong. So the Fed's rate increases are really not having effect on that particular aspect of what they desire. So Joseph, the last time we spoke, it was on the day when Jerome Powell gave a 25 basis point hike. But since then, we've got uh, new data, including PPI, CPI, and as my, I mentioned earlier, retail sales numbers. So. With all these new information, these data points, uh, does that change your thoughts? Uh, how many more rate hikes well, do you Well, right predict? now, I'm thinking, I mean, the last time we spoke, I was thinking about another half point, two more 25 point uh, rate hikes. I would say we're looking at 75 points. Now, the numbers have changed, you know, as been said many times, we will respond to the statistics as they appear. And it, the increase in both PPI and CPI was unexpected and not predicted. It was it was thought that we had peaked in inflation and it would continue to go down. Well, it didn't. And I think that is going to engender a change in Fed policy. I think we probably get a half point increase in March and then another 25 basis points after that. Goldman Sachs, Bank of America predicting terminal rates ending up at 5.25 to 5.5 percent. In your opinion, is that high enough to bring down inflation? Well, it's a very debatable question. If you go back to the 80s and Paul Volcker, interest rates went to to much higher rates to squelch inflation. But 
At that time, you had inflation that had been extending back and building for 20 years. You're not in that situation now. No one really knows how effective the current rate increases will be and whether they will be sufficient. The circumstances are considerably different. Now, the Fed has another set of projections due at the March 22nd meeting. That will tell us a good deal about what the Fed thinks is the terminal rate for the Fed when they're finally finished. And, and the Fed has been vocal uh, in almost every meeting. They say they want to get their uh, inflation target to 2%. But where do they get that number from? What's the difference between 3% inflation and 2%? Why 2% in particular? That's a good question. And why not 3%? I think the main reason with the Fed on this is they've always targeted 2%. When after the financial crisis, when inflation was running considerably less than 2%, they were targeting 2%. All the quantitative easing and all of the monetary stimulation and support that happened in the years and the decade, really, after the financial crisis was aimed in the Fed rhetoric, in their purpose to bring inflation up to 2%. It barely sufficed for a short amount of time. If they change now to, say, a 3 or a 4% inflation rate, that would give the markets a very, very poor sign that they're giving up on this. And that's why they won't do it. Mm, okay. And quickly, one last thing. Personally, I'm interested in this question. Will we ever go back to 0% interest rate? My personal opinion is I hope not. I thought they were a bad idea at the time. I thought that the impact that they had on the economy was very negative. My answer for that is, unfortunately, I think we could. If you end up in a serious recession next two years, next year, how far will the Fed take it down? Will they go down if it gets serious enough to 0.25 as the upper target as they have before? Once you breach that barrier, it becomes very easy for the Fed, for the authorities, to go back there as an insurance policy. So unfortunately, I would say yes. I think we could very well see it again. Joseph, always great speaking to you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me. Have a good day. On Wall Street, stocks ended mixed today with the Dow closing higher, but seeing its third straight week of losses. The Dow added 130 points or 0.4 percent. S&P fell 11 points or 0.3 percent. Nasdaq lost 69 points or 0.6 percent. And on to artificial intelligence. Microsoft is looking to tame its AI chatbot. Apparently, if you cross it, it could become belligerent and insult your looks, threaten your reputation or even compare you to Hitler. This week, Microsoft promised to improve its AI-enhanced search engine after more people reported being insulted by Bing. So far, Bing users have had to join a waitlist to try the new chatbot, so the reach is limited. Microsoft says most users have responded positively, but in some cases, the chatbot responds with a style the company didn't intend. The new Bing is built on technology from OpenAI. It's best known for the similar AI chatbot ChatGPT. Though it's unclear why Bing's chatbot is more likely to churn out insults. Jess Staley, a former CEO of British bank Barclays, had a close relationship with sex offender Jeffrey Epstein. This is according to email exchanges in newly unsealed court documents. 
The information is in a lawsuit by the U.S. Virgin Islands against J.P. Morgan, in which it accuses the bank of facilitating Epstein's sex trafficking operation. More on that later. Jess Staley also worked at J.P. Morgan as a top executive. According to the court files, Epstein sent Staley photos of young women in emails. In one email, Staley wrote to Epstein, he allegedly said, quote, That was fun. Say hi to Snow White. Epstein replied, What character would you like next? Staley then replied, Beauty and the Beast. We couldn't determine what those characters referred to. In another email, Staley allegedly wrote to Epstein saying, I deeply appreciate our relationship. Staley's lawyer declined to comment. Worth noting, Staley wasn't named in the Virgin Islands lawsuit against J.P. Morgan. More on the lawsuit, the government claims the bank knowingly helped Epstein's trafficking operation. NTD's Arlene Richards reports. In a new court filing on Wednesday, the Attorney General of the U.S. Virgin Islands alleged that 20 women who were victims of sex trafficking and sexual abuse at Jeffrey Epstein Properties were paid through J.P. Morgan Chase accounts and that the bank pulled the levers through which recruiters and victims were paid. The AG accuses the bank of being indispensable in the operation and concealment of the Epstein trafficking enterprise. They state there's evidence that shows the bank knew Epstein was an extremely high-risk client but decided to keep servicing his accounts because of his vast wealth and connections with other high-net-worth individuals. For example, the bank knew about media articles detailing the charges against Epstein in Florida but decided to keep doing business with him. The AG argued that the frequency of Epstein's payments and how many of them were to women should have triggered action. Epstein allegedly withdrew more than $775,000 from J.P. Morgan accounts to pay for sexual encounters. Arlene Richards, NTD News. The latest in the crypto crackdown. The SEC has charged Terraform Labs and CEO Do Kwon of defrauding investors. SEC Chair Gary Gensler says... Do Kwan repeatedly lied to investors to build trust, which then resulted in devastating losses. And those devastating losses added up to over $40 billion. This happened when Do Kwan's two cryptocurrencies, TerraUSD and Luna, collapsed just last year. The SEC says he lied to investors to keep them in before that collapse. And now Kwan is an international fugitive. Police agencies around the world are looking for him as he seems to be in hiding. Terra and Luna collapsed because investors lost confidence in them. It was a domino effect. First, some investors started selling. Then when others saw people selling, they started selling as well and so on. This is how billions in value were wiped out. These two currencies were highly dependent on investor confidence. Terra USD was a stablecoin. Stablecoins are supposed to have a stable value usually because their value is tied to a fiat currency like the US dollar. Normally, this is done by backing these coins with real money, but TerraUSD was not backed by real money. It was backed up by a computer algorithm, as well as by Quant's other cryptocurrency, Luna. They were highly dependent on each other. So during a time of high volatility, the system quickly came apart and it raised billions in market value. We spoke with financial analyst Fergus Hodgson for his thoughts on the situation. The big problem was simply that the Luna, the cryptocurrency that was, let's say, a, an algorithmic backing of the Terra US dollar was not stable. It didn't necessarily have enough of its own intrinsic value. 
if it were backed by something with intrinsic value, then it could stand. And I, maybe he was acting perniciously, but maybe he actually believed in it. Police all around the world are searching for Kwan. We also spoke to an attorney. Jim Baer tells us that Kwan could be extradited to the United States depending on which country he's arrested in. As for Kwan's punishment, here's what attorney Jim Baer told us. On the civil side, he could end up paying for this for the rest of his life and then some. With respect to the criminal, again, it's too early to speculate because criminality doesn't require certain intent and the, you know, you know, the willful violation of the violation of specific statutes. Baer believes the SEC is trying to signal that it's going to get tough on crypto. SEC Chair Gary Gensler says the case demonstrates the strength and commitment of the SEC's public servants. But aside from holding Quan accountable, there is no real way to recover the lost money. We'll keep you updated on the story. Moving on. The recovery operation for the suspected Chinese spy balloon has ended. According to a statement from the U.S. military on Friday, the debris from the balloon was taken to the FBI lab in Virginia for counterintelligence exploitation. The U.S. Northern Command said all Navy and Coast Guard vessels have departed the area and all safety parameters have been lifted. The balloon was shot down off the coast of South Carolina earlier this month. U.S. officials say it was the size of three buses and carried equipment that was capable of collecting signal intelligence and taking photos. The U.S. says the balloon conducted surveillance over at least 40 countries across five continents in recent years and that it came from the Chinese military. Financial firm China Renaissance is facing questions after its co-founder, Fan Bao, disappeared this week. NTD's Faye Quarter has more. China Renaissance revealed Thursday that it had been unable to reach Bao Fan, its chairman and CEO. Shares of China Renaissance plunged as much as 50 percent in Hong Kong on Friday following the news. The stock closed down 28 percent. China Renaissance is an investment bank and private equity firm based in Beijing. A Wall Street veteran, Bao pushed the company to become a major player in China. Bao isn't the company's first senior executive to go missing. Former president and chairman of its Hong Kong subsidiary, Lin Kong, has been unreachable since last fall. That's after regulators took up a number of issues with the company's management. China has a long history of allegedly detaining executives who seem to vanish with little explanation. Reasons for those disappearances are believed to range from speaking out against Chinese leader Xi Jinping to running afoul of state investigations. Border officials seized enough fentanyl to kill nearly 10 million people, and that was just in one month. Most of it originates in China. Now a Senate committee is investigating Chinese goods coming into the U.S. Here's the report. The U.S. Senate Finance Committee on Thursday held a hearing focusing on Chinese production. They say much of it hurts the American economy. Democratic Senator Ron Wyden led the hearing. You pay poverty wages, you pollute as you please. Chinese companies have been able to flood U.S. markets with cheap goods and undercut all the competition. Throughout the hearing, Republicans and Democrats agreed on the threat China poses to America's industry. Senators sought solutions to limit the harm. We believe here on this committee that American workers are the best in the world, but awful hard to compete with slave labor. What's the effect here at home? Factories shuttered, American jobs lost to China. Wyden says American companies should cut China out of their supply chain. He also stressed that many Uyghur Muslims are being forced into slave labor in Western China. 
The regime does the same to Falun Gong practitioners and other prisoners of conscience throughout the country. Another issue is counterfeit goods, which are often manufactured in China. Republican Senator Mike Crapo said the U.S. should update customs laws. The last comprehensive update to our customs laws occurred exactly 30 years ago. A smart reform now will not only allow us to seize new opportunities, but also to confront the rise of opportunists. Crapo also pointed out that many illegal drugs are crossing the border into the U.S. He shared numbers of drugs seized by the CBP in January. Over 327 pounds of methamphetamine, 139 pounds of cocaine, and 42 pounds of fentanyl. That's enough fentanyl to kill nearly 10 million people. The bulk of the fentanyl flow into the U.S. originates in China, either directly or in a pre-processed stage. The senator says updating the customs system could prevent illegal items from coming into the U.S. Taking a break now, but if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at ntd.com. Still to come, a new image of the sun. It could offer clues to one of the sun's greatest mysteries. And what major film franchise did Steven Spielberg turn down? That and more coming up on NTD Business. Welcome back. A new view of the sun shows light that people can't see. Scientists put together a composite photo using images from three different telescopes. The blue shows high-energy X-ray spots taken from the NASA New Star telescope. The green shows low-energy X-rays taken from a Japanese telescope. And the red shows extreme ultraviolet light taken from NASA's Solar Dynamics Observatory. Combined, the photos could offer clues about why the sun's outer atmosphere is at least 100 times hotter than the surface. Astronomers think it could be due to nanoflares, which are small eruptions in the sun's atmosphere. Nanoflares are too faint to stand out from the sun's brightness, but NASA's New Star telescope can detect them. New Star's data helps scientists monitor how frequently nanoflares happen. That's important information to know since those events can affect the power grid, satellites, GPS, airlines, rockets, and as well as astronauts in space. And a certain wizarding world might have looked very different on screen if certain events had played out differently. What am I talking about? Let's hear more from David Daniel in today's Hollywood News Update. I just thought this was a great story. Steven Spielberg kicked off two major film franchises, Indiana Jones and Jurassic Park, but he turned down a third, Harry Potter. Spielberg says he and wife Kate Capshaw were just starting a family when he got the offer, which would have meant spending months filming in London, so he declined. There were dragons when I was a boy. How to Train Your Dragon is going live action. Dean Deblois, the filmmaker behind the original trilogy, is writing, directing, and producing the live action version, due in theaters in March of 2025. All three animated dragon movies were nominated for the Best Animated Film Oscar. One day you came back. The past came back, too. There may have been a time when Damien had your back. No friends in the industry. 
That's not what he's doing now. Jonathan Majors looks even more dangerous in the final trailer for Creed 3. He plays an ex-con with nothing to lose and a score to settle with Michael B. Jordan's Adonis Creed. Tessa Thompson also stars. Creed 3 opens in theaters March 3rd. In Hollywood, I'm David Daniel. And that's all today from the NTD business team and myself, Don Ma. You can follow me on Twitter if you're there. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at ntd.com. Thank you for watching, and we'll see you on Monday.